Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello again, listener. Welcome to episode 228 of the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Stephen Bradley here sitting in for Matthew Wade once again as, well, an apology, listeners. Frank, last week I intimated that he was the back arse of a Christmas panto horse. But no, no, he's in the Playground Theatre in London West End in a critically acclaimed version of Great Expectations. So if you're looking for someone who represents the club and it isn't immediately embarrassed in front of public, good news, you can go see him. And he's there to the 29th of December, so if you've forgotten to get something someone for Christmas, happy days, two for one, you get to throw eggs at him and be happy. Now, usually at this point at the podcast, I would introduce our guest to talk about the game, but no one wants to talk about that Everton game ever again, so f*** that. So we're going to talk about our new manager. Joining me to do that is Anita Sambal. Hello, hello, Sir. And Paul Williams. Hello. So, our manager has managed one game in his professional th- career. Thoughts? <laughs> so you're not so happy with that, huh? Uh, as I am. <laughs> the floor is yours. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't sure about Arteta when when Wenger left and lots of people were going for him and even the board were up for him as well. I wasn't sure about him back then, but right now, after everything we have gone through with Emery, I'm thinking it's perhaps 18 months too late. Yes, definitely he doesn't have the experience of Carlo Ancelotti, for example, who got the job at Everton the same, the same weekend. But from what I've seen from him in City Squad and everything that Guardiola and the players and other experts said about him, and then the stuff he said in the, uh, his interview and the presser that was happening uh, today as well. I'm just really excited and confident and willing to give him a chance more than I was willing to give a chance to Unai Emery so far. I think that at the beginning he has benefited greatly from A, being a very good communicator and B, following someone who isn't. Because the reaction oh, yeah. to his press conference Friday was the only two words missing from that press conference was Alleluia and Amen. <laughs> you know, he could have said he could have said anything. He said, "No, we're going to wear blue next year, but we're also going to you know press on the back, and I'm not going to pick Ozil." Hey, happy days! Like, he could have said anything, but but I mean, it, it was so, it is so so important a good communication with the players and the the press as well. Agreed. With uh, Unai Emery, obviously struggled with both of those both of those situations and with Arteta and the way he he talks and acts and everything. I mean, if, if anyone who watched the training videos that they have, they have put out uh, after the Everton match, you can see that he looks equally angry and determined and focused, you know, which is something that you really want to see. Now, we can discuss if it's just because of what we have seen under Unai Emery and the, way, the things we have gone through so far this season, but... I mean, it, it just looks really good. It makes me feel really confident. I can't help it. <laughs> uh, Paul Williams, how much of this is projection? How much of this is us, the fans, wanting to see someone go in, kick a bit, a bit of arse, do a bit of coaching, and then we see Arteta and Freddie, Saturday, to be fair to him, saying all the right things, and we're going, ooh, finally. Um... <laughs> It, it, of course, there's a bit of projection because we don't know how Mikel Arteta is going to fare in his first head coach's job. Um, but as Anita said, he, he has talked a very good game at the press conference. And 
<laughs> I made a comment earlier today, even the transcript on Arsenal.com, uh, you know, the guys did their best with Unai Emery's words, but you could see it was a bit of a struggle, yeah. both for Emery and probably the guys doing the transcribing. So for Arteta to come out the way he did on Friday afternoon and express very clearly what he wants from the Arsenal players, um, obviously we are all sitting here, as you said, saying hallelujah. Um, I, it's quite interesting for me. Um, I was out with friends on Friday night, one Arsenal fan, two Everton fans, and then the, the Everton fans, Luke in particular, was saying to me, oh, yeah, but you wish you had Ancelotti, don't you? Because obviously that was coming down the pipe on Friday night. And I <laughs> I said to him, well, no, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy that Arsenal... Arsenal uh, are taking a... It is a punt, but any managerial appointment is going to be a punt. Arteta obviously impressed them 18 months ago, but didn't didn't quite impress them enough. As he said, it wasn't the right time. Now it is his time. We're going to find out what he can do. But what struck me on Saturday uh, when they kept cutting to the respective director boxes was how old and... Um, banged up Ancelotti looked and how perfect Mikel Arteta looked. (laughs) (laughs) I I found myself wondering, I wonder how long his hair is going to be that colourful. Is he dying it? And um, there's all sorts of possibilities opening up now. I, you know, I liked that. I I guess he sort of had to say it. I liked that he came in and said, everybody starts with a clean tape. Ozil was a massive player for this football club. That may be proven not to be the case as time goes on, but he has to come in and give people a chance to show what they can do. I I like that he seems to have come in. He'll have his ideas. He said that. But he is going to give everyone a chance, I think. And it'll be up to the players to make the most of those chances. Yeah. A couple of things. One, it is amazing and mind-boggling that Everton and Arsenal have hired managers in the same week. One of them is a four-time league winner, three-time European Champions Cup winner, a man who is lauded throughout the globe. And Sartorial Elegance, known for being you know, a classy man, great coach, whatever. And the other one is a complete novice. And yet we are very happy to have the novice. Yeah. Isn't it the Arsenal thing? There were those tweets going around with, uh, I mean, obviously the, the latest example was Mr. Wenger. <laughs> when we signed him, no one knew who he was, basically. And but Wenger was a really good manager for Monaco and in Japan. Like, he, he was the nobody. Like, like Wenger's Monaco beat Ferguson's Manchester United in 95. Like he it, he had young Henri and young Trezeguet up front. Like it, like he was, yes, he was unknown, but he was unknown to the English media. And that's not really hard to do. But when you go back, I mean, what George Graham was what manager of what Lee, Middlesbrough? Middlesbrough, yeah, yeah. And what Bertie, Bertie, me, Bertie, me was. George Graham was Millwall. Millwall sorry, Just before anyone sorry. tweets in about that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Bertie, me was some something in the club as well. He was a physio, yeah. 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 So the the idea that we have to get someone who's proven pedigree is not exactly. You know, based in history, I get that, but but it it's guys how like, it just shows you how 
fire every fell? Well, I think as well, Stephen, what I, I would say is that I have I felt for a long time that Wenger, the game had sort of left Arsene Wenger behind. Um, and I think in appointing someone like Carlo Ancelotti, um, Ancelotti's closer to the end of his coaching career than the beginning. Um, Arteta doesn't have any experience as head coach. We know that. But what he does have is a vision of how he wants his team to play. He has learned from the greatest manager in our history and one of the greatest coaches in history. And if he can, you know, synthesise what he's learned from those two men and, and bring bring that to Arsenal, then it's exciting times, I think. And, you know, as someone that felt that Arsene had become an old man in a young man's game, for us to have appointed a 37-year-old with no experience seems a little bit extreme. But maybe that's what we needed to do to go forward. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be one of those things where if Emery was ever going to have a public a, a public relations battle with an Aubameyang, a Lacazette, a Torreira, a Guendouzi, maybe even an Ozil, he was going to lose it every time. The the fans would have got behind the players pretty much, you know, 100%. It took Xhaka telling the, play, telling the fans to go fuck themselves before they turned on him. 100%. <laughs> if Lacazette or Aubameyang come out and say, look, we don't want to play for this coach, the fans are going to clamour to hold the door open for him. That's the difference here. Yeah, already did, already did. Whenever some you see a tweet going around like about Obama Young and like I said, not uh, signing contract extensions, ninety percent of replies is let them go. Made it not the door hit them uh, the way way out and stuff like yeah. that. So it's already happening. So do we? How long does Arteta then need? Because we we've seen a similar situation in Manchester United where. Not that they hired a complete novice, because Oli Gunnar Solskjaer wasn't a complete novice, but he's close to it. He had some experience with Malmo, with Molde, I should say, and you know, getting rel- Cardiff almost relegated. But he came in on a temporary basis, beat Paris Saint-Germain away, and was given the job. And now, ten months later, it seems that buyer's remorse is very real with them. Like, are we saying that we have to wait at least until after the summer transfer window before we can even judge Arteta? I'd say definitely. I mean, we gave uh, Emery 18 months. Yeah. And didn't see much of much improvement, actually. It was improved right at the start of the season, last season, and it all went downhill from them, from there. And I would give Arteta even even longer than that, perhaps, because I believe that he he has clear idea what he wants. I mean, it was expressed in his uh, pressers and everything that has been said about him, around him. And I think that he has this this big idea that I believe in, that I think players will believe in as well. And if they follow him and if he sticks to that idea and that, that plan that uh, everyone has a clean slate, as you said, and that there will be no excuses or anything, I think that he deserves a, a bit more time than only until transfer summer transfer window for sure yeah it took man city a year like a calendar year to learn how to play the way pep wanted them to play like they and were with Klopp, right yeah yeah a good year and even then it was only before Klopp brought in players like you know van dyke you know where they went from fourth or fifth to jesus christ they're the best team in the world yeah so like this might as much as we would like 
them to turn up on Thursday, play play, and look, and they look completely different. It's not going to be a quick fix. This this is no. this is going to be a slow burner. It it might be a new formation first day one, and we go oh, so it's going to be like this, and then them playing like absolute crap in it for a month. I hope that everyone is ready for that and not expecting. Yeah, that that's the point. Like, I hope people like like, like people are willing to say that they're going to give him time, but there's you're gonna to have to sit through it. And this fan base does not tolerate mediocrity very well, even at the start. You gotta be realistic about it. I found it quite interesting watching the game on Saturday. Um, how much the commentators went on about how bad the game was, and it's like, well, to be fair, they had nothing else to talk about because that's how bad the game well, was. Well, no, it's not to be fair about it. Um, Everton had just appointed a new manager. Arsenal have just appointed a new head coach. They wouldn't have made those appointments if there were no problems at both clubs. So the fact that that game on Saturday is a game that, as as you said right at the top, let's never speak of it again. That's not a surprise. Um, but one thing that I took out of that game was actually that Arsenal, and we we can talk about Everton, maybe they they're not a very good side, but Arsenal have gone away to plenty of sides that aren't very good and made them look like. Barcelona, <laughs> and actually well, we what, managed what to come out of... Watford well, might be really think... good now, after, after the team they beat, they beat on Sunday. <laughs> the defence Arsenal put out on Saturday, Maitland-Niles right back, OK, he's played there a lot, but we know it's not really his position. You've got Saka at left-back, who's played not even 20 times for the first team. Callum Chambers, who no-one's been about and the liability that is David Luiz. And Bernd Leno had his quietest game of the season. Yeah. So, um, the, the, you know, there's a lot for Mikel Arteta to work on. But actually, if if he can get the commitment right at the football club, and I think that that is a big part of this, and also the confidence. Um, when we beat West Ham a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked awful for an hour. We scored one goal, and then... Okay, you have to caveat it. West Ham were awful, but you could see that there was a bit of belief coming back into those players. Yeah, and the way Man City have played over the last couple of years, especially when Pep had control of Bayern Munich, the fullbacks were midfielders. Anytime they had the ball, they would play in front of the back three. So I've been saying for three years that Edson B. Mental Niles is not a fullback. But if Arteta is going to take you know a photocopy of Pep Guardiola's tactics laid over Arsenal, then for that right back role, he's almost perfect. Mm. So I know he's he's come out and said, "Look, I'm not a right back. I don't want to play right back." And fair enough. Neither does Trent Alexander Arnold. He's a centre midfielder too. But look at him. You know, like there there's a job opening there now, especially if Bellerin can't get back fit. Well, the other thing with that, Stephen, is I think probably. It would have been difficult for Ainsley Maitland-Niles to play as a full back for Unai Emery because he probably didn't understand what Emery wanted from him. Whereas I think Arteta, and we've we've probably all seen videos of Arteta explaining exactly what what he wants to players. Yeah, Arteta will work with him and help him. And as you say, having worked with Guardiola, he's probably almost perfectly placed to, to help Ainsley in that regard. Yeah, and and it'll help obviously him coming. My only fear is that he won't have the time to be able to give that specialist one-on-one training 
that he's had at Manchester, at Manchester City because he doesn't have to deal with all the other nonsense that comes with managing a football club. Yeah, but he his title is head coach, not the manager. You know, I think that there are some a bit less uh, responsibilities, less tasks to take over than, for, for example, Pep Guardiola had uh, as a manager of Man City. Yeah, maybe. And, and he is building his team, handpicked team of of uh, people, and uh, including Freddie Ljungberg, thankfully, right now, who understands players. Uh, Better than him, probably, especially the young ones. Freddie staying is a big bonus. Yeah. I thought he was gone. I, I, I would not have blamed him at all if he had turned around and went, look, thanks for the thanks for the chance, Arsenal. I've done you a favour, but Jesus Christ, you've treated me like shit for a month. Go fuck yourselves. I well, maybe we're seeing the first uh, signs of Mikel Arteta's, Arteta's persuasiveness. Maybe. <laughs> He just, he, just, he just flicked his hair at him, did he? Yeah, maybe. Like, hey, look at this. <laughs> Freddie says, I remember having hair that was almost as good as that one day. <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. But I say, but like, just having someone at the club that has a deep, a, a solid base of knowledge of the young players that he's going to have to bring through immediately because he'll get it himself over time just by obviously being in the same building and watching him but to be able to go to freddie and go right what what can i expect him to do what can i expect him to do what can i expect him not to do and figure it out from there it just saves him six to eight weeks of homework yeah at the very least you know so to have like that base of knowledge there to have per sacker still there you know like he he's coming and yes he's bringing in his own backroom team and rightly so but that there's still at least some sort of structure at the club that can be built on is a little bit encouraging. That's the thing that I was going to say. I think, that, um, you know, if Arteta was coming in as the manager, then I think I would be more concerned. But actually, now the structure that's in place, um, I think we, we're a little bit more secure than we might be otherwise. I don't have any basis for that. It's just the feeling. There's a great video on Arsenal's website right now of just Arteta taking a training session and he's doing it while a, pa- a ball is being passed to him and he just controls it whilst talking. <laughs> it's unfair. <laughs> but 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 again, like the, like the propaganda coming out of the club is perfect right now. Oh, it, they are loving it. I mean, you know, it's look at him. Too. Yeah, it, it's look at look at him. Look at how handsome he is. Look at how good at football he is. You remember how good at football he is? Look at all the people he's talking to. You don't like him. You don't like him. When he's coaching them already, isn't that great? Please come and watch our team. Please pay seventy quid for a ticket, please. <laughs> but that's but that's their job. I mean, that's let's be let's be honest, right? We're not being sold titles. We're not being sold, you know, a guarantee. We're not being sold a promise. We're being sold hope. Nothing more, nothing less. We're be, we're being told by the club, look, we're shit right now, but we're gonna try and fix it. We're bringing in one of your heroes. He's been a great coach at a really big club that's been doing better than us for the last five years. We're gonna give him the reins. He has big ideas. Stick around for the next eighteen months. Please don't sell your season tickets. Come watch it. We'll be good later soon. I promise. <laughs> that sounds like that. It should be in the newsletter for New Year. Yeah, well, you can have that Arsenal 20, 20 quid award. <laughs> Happy Christmas. But that, but that's that's where Arsenal are right now. Like th- that's what they're selling. They're selling us hope. Nothing more, nothing less. And I don't blame them. Like, but that it just shows how in 18 months we went from here's the succession plan, the one that we've led in place for years to follow on from the greatest manager in our history to 
crossing our fingers. <laughs> In 18 months. Yeah. Hope is definitely what we need. Yeah. It's it's just it's it's amazing just that's how far this club has fallen. And it's not it's not just that. I mean, when you look at the United as well. Yeah. Oh, they're in exactly the same boat, and both of us are shooting holes in the bottom of it. But <laughs> but but it, it but it's just that their their boat is much more expensive than ours. Yeah, and and with, <laughs> and with a lot more money to fix it too. Like that's that true. that's that's like for. For all the credit that Pep gets and Arteta gets for coaching Manchester City's players, we have to remember that if Manchester City didn't like their fullback, they went out and bought another one for fifty million. And if they didn't, <laughs> and if they didn't like that one, they went and bought two more for a hundred. You know, like the the idea, like this will be the first. It'll be interesting to see what Arteta can do with finite resources. Yeah, I would like to see. Uh, I was watching the City Leicester match over the weekend as well, and my comment commentator mentioned that. Uh, Milan wants want to get Guardiola after this season because it's not sure if he will continue at City. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's how Milan, I are, Milan are in a worse spot than us. Yeah, and I was wondering, <laughs> would he accept that challenge? What would he do there with, like, no money in both situation than us and everyone, and still being led by Gazidis as well? I was so. going to say their 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 management structure must be you know must be very attractive. <laughs> but it would be interesting, you know, because Pep went from Barcelona to Bayern and then City, all big money, big names uh, in the league. And I would really be interested to see how he would tackle uh, a challenge like that. Yeah. But that, like I said, Milan are an absolute bread bread basket of a case. They are hopeless. Yeah. They're yeah. legitimately hopeless. I know they've got a couple of young players that I'd actually like at Arsenal. If they want to sell Lucas Paqueta our, our way, happy days. But. No, like five nil at the weekend. They lost to Atlanta, who are decent to be fair, but they're what twenty one points behind Juventus and a goal difference of minus seven. Yeah. For Milan, it, it it's ridiculous, but no, I can't. But say, soon it, enough, they will be the same level as Bayern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but they're keep they're keeping hands freaking until the end of the season, <laughs> which means Pochettino. There's no job for Pochettino open apart from the United job. Mm-hmm. Great. So our manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it it's just gonna ask how the how it's gonna work out where you know uh, when Liverpool fired fired Brendan Rodgers like oh my god what do we do here and Jurgen Klopp is sitting on a beach. <laughs> and when United get rid of Solskjaer a year after they shouldn't have given him the job in the first place. Maurizio Pochettino is going to be sitting on a beach. It's just, it's just it's just bad how things work out sometimes, where just the the right man for the right job is available, and yet Arsenal with their succession plan and all that ended up with a failed PSG manager and now a complete novice. Again, I I I get why I I'm I'm not totally sold by Arteta just on the fact that I have no idea what he's going to do. No way, I would never tell. No, I don't. <laughs> I get that. I get that. You don't. You don't. You, you, you don't want to besmirch his hairline. I get it. I, I totally. Get it. But I have. I have no idea what he's going to do. I can't base any judgment or any assessment on what he's going to do. On but isn't any... that exciting? You exactly, know. Paul. Exactly. It's, it's exciting. Who knows what's going to happen? That's like me telling you, I'm going to punch you, but I'm not going to tell you which hand with. Ooh, it's no, exciting. Not, it's it's going to be a like surprise. That, yeah. It's going to be a surprise. 
but that's why so I'm car I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. <laughs> but it's it's one of those ones. It, it, no, it's a gamble. Again, he has no he has no managerial experience at all. And yes, we know Stephen. We know everyone knows. <laughs> Stephen. <sighs> No, no, it's, it's just it's the politest way I've been told to f off in a long time. <laughs> I'm willing to give up the Premier League, you know, chasing the top four, top six spots and everything for him to, you know, build a team and get the players to do stuff he actually wants them to do and get things working before summer, then sign players that he thinks would make things better and, and start over in the next next season. Would you give up European football next year? Yeah, I would. Paul? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. Sit season outside Europa League. Just focus on the league, get them back in the top four, then go from there. Yep. Yeah, I mean, maybe the world doesn't work that way and we need, what, I, was it £30 million pounds for, for last season in the Europa League? Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, maybe that money is needed. But if, if you're selling... If, if you're not in Europe next season... Then Aubameyang is a hundred percent gone, and Lacazette is a hundred percent gone, and Torreira is a hundred percent gone, and Jack is a hundred percent gone. I I think there's players that you just mentioned that are probably all gone anyway. Gone anyway. Well, there's a hundred and fifty million for you. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea that yes, we'll lose a lot of players. Yes, we will, but money will be there to replace them. Now it might not be the big flashy name that we need, but there will be money available. Like, well, yeah, I think. I think you have to think of it in the context of what Arsenal have done in the last three years. And what Arsenal have done in the last three years is spend a lot of money to try and get back into the Champions League. And that sort of started with signing Lacazette. And then we all know we signed Aubameyang six months later for £50 as a sort of Hail Mary to get back to where we thought we should, well, where we should be. And it hasn't worked out. Um, So maybe the, the answer is not to sign these big players on massive money and actually try and build something. And this Arteta talked about it in his press conference, actually building a winning mentality through the culture of the club. And that's what I found, if there was any encouragement to be found on Saturday, it was that the kids that played um, in, in the team worked their Jacobs off to make sure we got a result. And, you know, but for a little bit of, I don't know if it's a lack of confidence on just not seeing the passes. I mean, Emil Smith Rowe could have played Aubameyang in three or four times. And, and he, he tried so hard, Emil Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing uh, just went his way. Uh, and yeah, I am agreeing with you, Paul. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, but um, you know, these kids are only going to get better if the, if they play games. And you know, I saw people slating Reese Nelson after the game, and it's like, what? He's 20 years old and he's barely played any first-team football in the Premier League. Are, are you expecting miracles? Um, so, to me, there's, there, there is talent. There are, there are issues that Arsenal have to sort out. I mean, the centre-backs, the cent- central midfield, I mentioned earlier, I'd totally forgotten that Danny Ceballos was at the club. Um, but I think that there are raw materials that if Arteta can get, you know, get everyone engaged and change the energy in the way that he's talked about, that the rebuild might not be as painful as we first thought it was, purely because of that young talent that's at the club. 
at the same time, you don't want to rely on it too much. So it's it's not easy. No, no, no. I don't. I don't. That's those are all fair points. It, like I say, it should be a case of giving him time. He's gonna have to sit back and wait. What else is there yeah. to do? <laughs> At least he, we will have the nice pressers and nice pictures and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we get people videotaping themselves singing about wanting them removed as well. Oh. Yeah. It, it's been a weird week in terms of how supporters react to bad things happening in front of them in terms of London football. We had Arsenal Saturday who, after not being able to give out about a board, because the board put in someone that everyone seems to universally like, can't give out about a team pick because it was full of kids that we all want to support, can't give out about a result because they didn't lose. So they had to vent their anger at something, and then our man Robbie comes out with his microphone. Well, I have a friend, I've mentioned him many times on this podcast before, <laughs> Harry, who is firmly of the opinion that that if it wasn't for the way fans turned on Arsene Wenger, led by the guys at AFTV, he would still be at the football club now. And I suspect there are some people out there who have Arsenal at their heart, who, whilst they see that it probably was time for Wenger to go, Harry's not quite there yet, um, they don't like what happened to Wenger and the way it happened. And... I can understand that, that there's some anger. And then when you sort of tally in the way these guys carry themselves, the thing that I've not, that I've struggled with with them is like, we, we all have opinions about Arsenal and, you know, for those of us that have written websites over the years, I've written loads of things in the heat of the moment that probably you look back on and, oh, maybe I shouldn't have put it like that or I got this wrong. Same. Um, but they've always been considered pieces. And I think the problem with AFTV is that you get someone after a game and their blood is up because of what's gone on in the two hours previous and they talk <laughs> and they've become celebrities just from talking <laughs> and I think that's the thing that I find difficult about them. Um, you know, I always worked hard on my on my pieces, whereas these guys have become celebrities uh, having a mouth. Yeah, is is it fair to say that there's a difference between a group of Arsenal fans going up to Arsenal Fan TV or AFTV as they're known now and giving out about them being you know get out about you know bit of them being special and them giving out about them being special but not themselves. I I don't want to say it's jealousy, but there's definitely a sense from, especially the lads who pay good bloody money to go follow the Arsenal across land and sea, that these people are representing them. That they're representing that fa that particular part of the fan base, that particular hardcore fan base that goes to every game, that pays good money, that sweats and sweats blood and tears for Arsenal, and they're being made very very often look like mugs. And they and they're sick and tired of being associated with a product that can be as outrageous and as brutal as AFTV can be at times. 
I think that uh, Tim Stillman had some uh, tr Twitter threads over the weekend with everything happening, talking about that, how people think that Arsenal Fan TV represents all the Arsenal fans mm. going to the matches and everything. And he mentioned that only, I think he said, only stupid people would think that one group of fans uh, represents the whole group, whole big, you know, group of fans. He may, may not use the word stupid. I mean, I really don't remember correctly what everything was said, yeah, but yeah, yeah. in general, it was something like that, that only people who don't really know how things work and how, I don't know, how fans are that would think that that group of people, what, four, five, six of them who are regulars at Arsenal Fan TV represent the whole Arsenal fan base that are going to the home and away matches as well. And that the opinion like that shouldn't be taken seriously. And mm. I just, I, I, I liked him. I like what he writes and everything, but I couldn't really relate it to that because I get that here in Croatia, you know, so far, far away from everything happening in London and on the matches as well. But I have people here going asking me if I'm watching Arsenal fan TV because they are and they are so funny and so great especially when they lose yeah but that's like uh, it, it, it's a fact that Arsenal fan TV gets nine times as many viewers when Arsenal lose yeah hundred percent yeah I, I Luke and all, all of my mates oh if you were I've got friends in Leeds even that watch it whenever Arsenal lose Leeds fans are yeah. oh no so I get it all the time oh Arsenal lost oh great FTV's gonna be brilliant tonight yeah, and it's you know it's for, for people who want to laugh at Arsenal fans. It's yeah. perfect. You know, you get ten minutes of ah, look at this lad. Ah, he's tick. Ah, you know, even I, though their own team might have lost as well. I do think Hector Bellerin, when he said what he had to say about them a couple of years ago, I think he had it right. I mean, we we all make criticisms of um, Arsenal in whatever format that is. This podcast, an article, AFTV. The difference is that when Arsenal website traffic on Daily Cannon drops off a cliff, yeah, and uh, for AFTV it's happy days, and you know we've all seen the video of them laughing about that fact. It's I don't know. I Robbie seems to be a nice bloke, and I I'm wary of saying anything about him personally. I don't know the guy, but he seems to be a nice bloke that hit on something that worked and probably was a positive thing initially, but did it catalyse and speed up the Arsene Wenger process? I, I don't know what I think. No, I think, I think what Robbie did was Robbie monetized the Arsenal, the Arsenal fans' ability to mouth off. I think he was the first to do it. He he was the pioneer in terms of oh everybody's got a camera, everybody's on everybody's on Snapchat, everybody's on YouTube. I'm going to turn up to grounds. I'm going to go right. Give me ninety seconds of your time. Vent into this microphone. Here's a camera. Say what you want. And he he did it with the. I know he's an Arsenal man. I don't. I know he used to support Luton. Blah, blah blah blah. He's gone to Arsenal games for thirty years. He's he's turned up. He's gone right. I think I could get a lot of characters. A lot of views and a lot of money out of this. And he was right in all three. Because there are a lot of Arsenal people who want to talk about Arsenal. Who have no fear of being honest about Arsenal. And have no fear about being controversial about Arsenal. They will say what they think. It's one of, it's one of the, the, the characteristics. The, the biggest character of an Arsenal fan. Is that he's usually an opinionated motherfucker. 
so like in terms of oh well he's changed the fan base fan base has always been like this been like this in the 70s like the 80s we've all seen the picture at the back of the daily star in 96 where there's a fan protest against the appointment of arson Wenger. this the Arsenal fans have always been unafraid or shy to just say no f- you here's what i think and all all robbie has done is put a microphone in front of him and a camera in front of him That's i remember this, the scene from fever pitch the movie when uh, paul the character was going to his first or second match i think and there were two older Arsenal fans talking how <laughs> Arsenal are rubbish and have always been rubbish and yeah. they will still come and they will still go yeah. to the match. Like, we love moaning. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And all, like, all, now, is it fair that Robbie's the one who makes all the money and the people that, you know, go, that, that they talk to on a regular basis don't make as much and the, 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 lot, the amount of people that do talk to him at times, they get feck all? No, of course not. But it's his idea. <laughs> like, you know, life isn't fair. He's He's... He's he's the the shark here, you know. He's the one who came up with it first. He's the one everybody wants to copy. He's the head of the guy. Simple as. Life's not fair. You what know, about I, him and all the other crowds hanging out with players? I mean, money follows money. <laughs> I'm, 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 that's the truth. Like, if you're a PR guy for a player and you and a lad with, you know, who gets a million views on a on a video every week on YouTube comes up to you, goes, "Hi, do you want some free PR?" You're getting it. it that's just the truth. I'm really torn about that. You know, I, I don't like it as much as you, but it's my job. You know, I work for a radio station. You know, like it, you know, we have to try to convey a message to as many people as we can. Not that we try to be controversial. It's a local radio station, but you know, quality of the message and tone of the message absolutely counts. And again, all he did was put a microphone in front of people. He didn't he didn't try to trigger them. He didn't try and provoke them. All he does, he puts a microphone in front of you and he puts a clickbait title on it. That's how YouTube works. And he mastered it. And now he's a millionaire. Is it more of a cultural thing and, you know, the, the global fun, fun culture and social media and everything that yeah. people actually want to watch stuff like that? Yeah, but, you know, shared misery. It's my, you know, I, if I'm miserable at the fact that I support, you know, Leeds or Luton or, you know, Los Angeles or whoever, and my team <laughs> lost, and, well, at least I'm not the only one. Because look at these miserable f- because if people didn't watch that, he wouldn't film it. Yeah, but he filmed it knowing that people would watch. Yeah, that was that was the gen- that was the that's that's the money making thing that he realized that people would watch it before anyone, and he was right. And now, like I say, I think it's starting to turn up. People are saying, "Well, why does he get to make all the money? Why can't I do that?" Well, he thought of it first. <laughs> And if he decides that it's not worth the hassle now and he's going to give it up, I guarantee you, within a week, there'll be 20 lads trying to copy him. Other clubs did copy him. Other clubs copy him. Other clubs always get him in. And and he almost gives them validation when he appears on their show. Here's the original. Here's the great man. Here's Robbie Lyle. It's the truth. Because he is. It's him and Redmen TV. Are the two really stands out. And the United, United Stand with Matt Groombridge. Like, like these lads have... Like I said, monetized fanaticism, football fanaticism. They've turned being a, a hackneyed, one-eyed, biased fan into making money. It's depressing, isn't it? It's completely, <laughs> but, but that's that's 2019. You know, but look, would you rather fans be like him and honest and at least straightforward about it and go here, or would you like, you know, be like a one of those fans, one an isolated Spurs fan, you know, making monkey gestures at Antonio Rudiger on Sunday? 
Oh, oh seamlessly done. <laughs> you know, but that's the thing. Like, as much as as much as we're saying, oh, I can't believe these fans on ca- are on camera doing that. Well, it could be worse. You know, like at least at least the fans that are appearing on National Fan TV are just being honest, and they're not being you know they're not being scumbags. They're just yeah. Uh, there, not, there have been some racist stuff said about uh, players and everything. Occasionally, but that's it's being called out. But at least you don't do it in you know in front of sixty thousand people at the stand. And I wouldn't mind this is the, the yeah. You do the, it in front of one hundred thousand people from yeah, all on Sky with three million people watching it, and you think you and you think you're anonymous. Like how? Thick, do you have to be to sit in the front row of a Premier League game and go, Oh, I'll get away with this? <laughs> but this is going to be the second time that Spurs get done for this. I'm not calling out Spurs because it's a national podcast, but a lad got done for throwing a banana at a Bamiyang 12 months ago. Yeah, yeah, 12 so, months that's not even so so long ago. Yeah, so this will be a second offense for Tottenham, and again, not associating Tottenham with that because these are isolated incidents, but. For all the talk and all the the spiel that the English FA, more than anyone, does about getting racism out of the game and doing this and doing that. Well, here you go, lads. It's on your front door. Now what are you going to do? Because you, really, Sorry, continue. No, no, don't <laughs> say, no, I'm saying if you want to be taken seriously, here's your chance. Make sure uh, play in front of an empty ground. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It should have been done during this match because I think that that rule is the stadium announcer has two times two warnings to put out for for the crowd, and then if it third happens, the players the game needs to be stopped and players need to be taken off the the pitch. Yeah, and, and the, I, they, I saw one tweet. Yeah, there was one tweet going around. I saw that if it was uh, English national team and it's happening somewhere in Ukraine on Bulgaria or somewhere like that, the players off. would stop and walk out. Yeah, they would walk off. And this, it was, I've seen more comments talking about uh, the stadium announcer won't change a thing and kind of, you know, half mocking the announcer saying what he had to say because it's a protocol, it's it's uh, in the rules and everything. Yeah. And yeah, it's just really sad to see happening in the Premier League. Yeah. Especially after spending like a week or two mocking the Italian Serie A. Yeah. Doing their, their yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, like we're allowed mock everyone for being racist as long as when it happens in our own door or in our own house we immediately do something about it yeah. that's the only thing that's going to stop it none of this calling out you know if, if it's beside you call them out you know do you know do what Haley Wright did on, on our website last week if someone's being you know like that write about it say this is unacceptable yeah exactly you, exactly. you know like call them, call them. That, that's the only way this will stop if you think that the person beside you is going to grasp and we still have people commenting on on that article saying, "Oh, I was at that match as well, and I haven't seen anyone." Oh, yeah. Or why didn't you film it? Why didn't you record it? Everyone is filming it and everything. I mean, come on, people. She steps out and shares about uh, the incident that happened, and people react like that. Yeah, because they don't they don't want to be you know they they don't want to be associated with that. Well, I didn't hear it, so it didn't happen. No, that's yeah, not, not, not how this works. Like you know, she's after saying it happened. She's a credible source. And yet, the the immediate jump is, oh, well, we're not like the others. Oh, no. But, like, we've been sitting about Yiddos for how long? You know, like, that's the thing. Like, like as, as as much as we like to think of ourselves as an enlightened fan base, you know, the the, 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 the Y word is used on a regular basis. I, I'm actually going to apologise for using the Y word. And, you know, even when Robin Percy left, the first song that was sung was She Said No. 
Yeah, and I, I remember that one song about the Bayard as well. Yeah, even it's the truth. Like, <laughs> like, 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 on occasions, these fanbits can be as bad as every other one. But the, they're should, always, always idiots around. So, should we be proactive then? Should we start going around and start saying, right, from now on, we're not using the Y word? Well, someone has to do something. Paul? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, you, you, people, oh, I don't know. David Baddiel, who, as some people will know, is one of my comedy heroes is um yeah he's I, really, I, I really enjoy his work too yeah Jewish uh, Chelsea fan and he started a he, he actually made a film um about three or four years ago uh with the intention of getting football clubs to stop uh football clubs fans Chelsea fans Tottenham fans to stop singing songs about Yiddos and he wanted specifically Tottenham fans to stop identifying themselves as Yids because it is a racist term. And he, he was basically told by a lot of Tottenham fans to mind his own f***ing business. Um, so I think that when something like that happens, um, essentially he's fighting a losing battle. I feel like the game as a whole would be fighting a losing battle if they cared enough. I, I think that there are so many Arsenal fans out there that don't even recognise that that term is offensive. And if they do recognise, they don't care. Um, you know, so we can sit and talk about the Arsenal fan base being pretty enlightened. You said it a minute ago, Stephen. Um, the truth is that we're not as enlightened as we like to think we are. Um, and probably, I, I'm trying to think, I'm, I think there's probably a specific chant that I've joined in with at games because I never really gave it much thought. Yeah. Um, I get why people don't want to stand up, and especially in a crowd, and go, Oi, you, stop that. You know, like, we've all been on a train or a bus and there's been someone having an argument and we've immediately gone to look the other way, sit on our hands, make sure that they don't make eye contact with us because we do not want to get involved in that scrap at all. You know, I totally get that. But that's our fault. And we should be doing more to encourage both ourselves and others to, when a, when an incident like that happens in front of us, to go, Oi, you, shut up. Shut up. That's not on here. Shut up. And that's the end of it. And then call a steward and go, Oi, mate, get rid of him. Because until that happens, the people who are going to games and, you know, singing racist songs and making racist gestures are going to do so in the knowledge that they can get away with it. Because they know that everyone else behind them and in front of them is too scared to put their voice up. Well said. <laughs> We need to start with us ourselves first. You know, so instead of asking others to go, right, we need to do this, we need to do that, but you know, we should have a campaign. No, we need to speak up ourselves and go, Oi, you shut up. That that's the start of it. It's it's just like it's just like trying to put, you know, manners onto a five year old child. As soon as he as soon as he thinks he's not gonna get away with doing what he's doing, he'll change. But until then he's still gonna scream and shout and go blue murder on you. Because he knows he's gonna get ice cream at seventy PM anyway. 
Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, happy. <laughs> anyway, happy Christmas. Yeah, it's Christmas. Oh. I, I, I think Gary Neville, when he, he he was talking last night about how the Premier League and the FA sort of passed the issue back back and forth to each other, and basically both of those organisations have to come out and actually be proactive about. But again, if neither if you take sanctioning football clubs for something to change, then that's what has to happen. And, People will get the message then. Yeah, it's a not. really sick way of having to do it. We're going to sanction the football club so you learn your lesson. But maybe that's how it has to be. And, you know, we live particularly in this country now. Jesus, I mean, I'm in despair at some of the things I've seen and heard over the last few months. You know, we've just elected a, a racist prime minister because the alternative was someone else that actually I did vote Labour in the election. I, I voted Labour because I didn't want Boris Johnson to be the Prime Minister of this country anymore because I don't believe in anything that he stands for. But I understand because I've listened to people like David Baddiel make arguments about why he thinks if Jeremy Corbyn isn't an anti-Semite, he is at least sympathetic towards anti-Semitism. And I understand why people didn't vote for Jeremy Corbyn. Um, so in this country two weeks ago, we had a f***ing horrible choice. But it sort of symbolises where this country seems to be heading to at the moment. It's extreme left wing or extreme right wing. And if you're in the middle, you get called a by both sides. Yep. And and uh, unfortunately, I have to do a David Jones here and point out that for, <laughs> for balance. I saw that live yesterday. I have I, I have sympathy for him because he needed to say that, like just for legal reasons, he needed to say that because as much as I agree with what Gary Neville said, he did call both political parties out, <laughs> and unfortunately, what he's doing there is endorsing every other one, and you can't do that. So, so he was endorsing what? He was endorsing every other party by saying don't, don't vote for No, I don't people. think he was. No, 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 no. I don't but think he, he was endorsing any no, other party. No, that's, he was it, particularly saying that the leaders of both parties yeah. are but racist. I, 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 I don't think you can argue with No, 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 you're right. But because he didn't call every political leader a racist, I, I again, it's the law. Yeah, legal reasons, yeah. Yeah. You know, like say, you have to say everyone or no one. I know. Oh no, it's annoying again. But th those are the rules. You can't single two out. Well, surely you can if they're the two that have made it, it known that they have suspect views. Let's call it. Oh yeah, then you you will get a, you will get a legal letter from the liberal liberal Democrats, whoever they vote now as their leader, because Joe Swinson got you know unelected. But you will get, they they will go. Uh, what about us? They will. So again, it's just it's just for it's just for legal reasons, and I and I have to do the same here because I'm a Tory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Okay, yeah. lads. Okay, lads. No, I'm, I'm no. going. F it. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, it's a better when he he say he tweet his um. This is I, I love this a couple of weeks ago. Oh, right, Boris. 
and someone replied to him going, you haven't got a clue, mate. Yeah. <laughs> and I replied to them just saying, well, I think as a young European living in this country, he probably does, actually. Yeah. And the guy replied to me saying, no, clueless. Oh. So I, I replied very childishly, um, yeah, well, like, that's just your opinion, man. And, yeah. and he blocked me. Um, but why is it that because people are involved in football or music they're not allowed to have opinions about the world we live in I'm not talking about Gary Neville I'm talking specifically about as a young man who is in a position of influence maybe yeah trying to make the world a better place and that's all Hector Bellerin is trying to do Yeah, and oh, some, some crusty a... Tory doesn't agree with him so he calls yeah. him clueless, I mean that's not helpful No, that's why I was very critical of Arsenal's stance when Mesut Ozil called out the the Chinese government when he did two weeks ago because they only did it to protect a financial investment yeah. Like, like they didn't, like they said. Oh, Arsenal. You know, those are Mesut, Those are the views of Mesut Ozil, not of Arsenal. Arsenal don't, do not indulge themselves in, in political views at all. Really, you say it then, but you don't say it when Hector Bellerin says Boris, and you don't say it when Mesut Ozil has, you know, President Erdogan of Turkey as his best man. You know, you don't have it when there's a left wing view or a right wing view. Rightly so, but then when Ozil goes and and. And provides a left wing view. It's like no, 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 no. That's too far, mate. You're like, you can't do that. You can't pick and choose. Either it's all of them or none of them. You know, it's 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 why you know when Michael Jordan was asked, you know, why don't you make any political statements? It's he literally said it's because Republicans buy shoes too. <laughs> that's his genuine quote. Do you think anyone's noticed that it's uh, been removed from Pro Evo in China? No. Because no one plays pro, no one plays pro evil. Mm-hmm. They don't. <laughs> I, I thought you, you would go. I thought you would go. He's missing on the pitch anyway. Well, yeah, that, that's true. Well, that's what I queued him up for, and he um, oh. he missed it, and he no. he oh. it, <laughs> alleviated it. My, my sense of comic timing went as missing just as much as Ozil did there. Oh. So Bournemouth on Thursday. Oh. Uh. Do you care? Or is it a case of let's just make it out Arteta has had three days let, let's let see if anything has changed. Of course I care. Oh, I know you care but like <laughs> is it like do you, if they lose 3-0 do you care? Like is it a case of oh if Arteta comes out and plays the WM or you know 6-3-1 or you know <laughs> 4-1-1-1-1-1-1-1 like is it is it a case of you don't really care as long as Arteta is is at least he's trying something. He'll the, play the Christmas tree formation. <laughs> I, I I am standing and applauding that joke. That was superb. I mean, it wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> Actually, Arsenal playing four three two one actually wouldn't be a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you're listening, Mikael, you're free to take that idea. <laughs> no, I mean, I I wouldn't be. Of course, if we lose, I would be very angry. I like any time, I would be angry. But 
I wouldn't be pissed at the Arteta and calling Arteta out or something like that because, as you said, it's been three days and he's still getting to know all the players and everything that can be done. And we have, again, brand new defense probably because Chambers picked up uh, uh, the yellow card as well and uh, uh, Kolasinac is still not fit. We'll see. We have no idea who will play in defense once again. So, Do, do you know what? If he can get one of the centre mids or maybe both of the centre mids just to like stand in front of Luis and Socrates and tell them not to move. <laughs> that, that would be a good start because those two at the back, they, I mean, we're not blessed with a good clutch of or a great clutch of centre backs at the moment, but those two together particularly uh, are frightening. Um, but they need more protection and I think that's, that's been the case throughout most of this season. As critical as I've been of David Luiz, the amount of times you've watched him as someone comes running towards him with 30 yards of space around him because the centre midfielder is not where they should be. Um, you know, that needs to improve massively. And I think actually it's something Arsenal did reasonably well on Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Predictions before we go. Hmm. My prediction is I will be drunk by then. <laughs> hmm. I'm gonna go with a draw. I've got Amazon Prime now, so my prediction is I'll be frustratedly trying to load a stream for ever and I, I've got Amazon Prime is, and my prediction is I'm going to be throwing my laptop at the screen because they didn't buy the Irish rights did they? Uh, Croatian either uh, <laughs> um, we've, we've had trouble with Bournemouth I think every time we've gone there since yeah. they came up so I, I think it would be unwise to expect too much I, honestly speaking I know we've had a lot of them this season I'd take a draw straight away um, Me too. I, I don't feel like we've got a lot of goals in us at the moment. So, also, it depends what Bournemouth turn up. I mean, you know, they, they could be brilliant. If, they are a proper hot and cold team, aren't they? So, yeah. It'll be an interesting one. Um, yeah, a draw. Yeah, I, I take a draw and just some hint of what Arteta has in mind. Just whether it's the way we set up or the way we try to press or the way we try to play or the way we try to attack. Something. That's good. Just something that I go, oh, okay, he's trying that. That would do. I think the team selection will be really interesting. Yeah. Really, really interesting because it seemed as though some something appears to have happened with Lacazette who hasn't really been seen for weeks. I know he came on at the end of the game. Um and Pepe, but we, we've got very expensive footballers sitting on the bench at the moment. And I think if he can find a way to integrate those guys without compromising the team, that would be sort of useful, really. I think Ceballos will mean a lot for this team. Now he's getting back in training and everything. I really don't expect him to be ready for, for promote now because I think he started training what this week or last week something like that but I think he might be really important for, for this team well, with Chelsea Chelsea and Manchester United coming up games immediately afterwards 
great start of new year. Uh, is, is Thierry Henry still, is he like healthy? Because we've got Leeds in the Cup then Monday week. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say we're three games in a row. Massive stress sandwich for me. I'm almost more stressed about the Leeds game than the other two. Um, Can Eddie play? I don't um, know. No, I think Depend, so. Depends on the terms of the deal. I would imagine he can. Hmm. You can't. I don't think you put it in the clause anymore that he can't. They might have it in that he can't play cup games, but I don't think you can bar him from playing against the owner team anymore. I saw something really interesting about Man United earlier, which is their record against the teams one to eight is brilliant really this season, it's and brilliant. everyone. Everyone below them, it's shocking. And we're yeah, below they, United at the moment, aren't we? So Yeah. They've won up. six they've won six games in the league. Five of them are, are against the top six in Leicester and one is against everyone else. <laughs> so we're gonna beat them. That's that's fine. Yeah. Done. <laughs> yeah, I've seen we're, not, a we're, tweet. Not, we're not a top six side. Happy days. <laughs> I seen a tweet yesterday uh, from a uh, uh, Reporter from the Athletic <laughs> <laughs> saying how United seem to replicate the team they are playing against because Christ. they played <laughs> really they play well. Those, they're going to be useless. Yeah, they played really well against City and against Spurs, obviously, and then like against Watford and other teams from the bottom bottom sides of the table. There's something this, in it. This Christmas is going to be weird and, <laughs> and, and merry and drink filled. Yeah. And, and we'll we'll be we'll be back next week, listener, because I'm working. Someone has to. <laughs> Matthew's will be doing his great his played great great expectations at the Playground Theatre in London West End. Please do go. Send tell him I sent you, and then duck. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, we will be we'll be back with you next week, listener. Thanks to Anita. It was fun. And thank <laughs> you, Paul. Always a pleasure. And we try not to be racist at the end. We'll talk to you next week, listen. Good luck. <laughs>